Welcome to another episode of Warriors and Hope with Valerie Silvera. Before we get started on this episode, I wanted to remind you about the Freedom Experience in Scottsdale, Arizona on October 6th and 7th. This is an incredible, empowering event that you will not want to miss. Let's face it, anybody who's lived a couple of decades on this planet has been blindsided by something. Fear has come calling, and this is going to be two days you will not forget. You will have tools and all sorts of inspiration and empowerment to take with you, not just for the rest of the year, but for the rest of your life. You should be there if you no longer want fear to write your story. If you're ready for true empowerment, not just some feel-good stories. If you're willing to come with an open heart and mind, you are going to learn so much. If you're tired of living with shame, guilt, or judgment, man, I lived with that for far too many years. If you want to learn how to overcome the grip that grief has over you, you want a life-changing experience that you can take with you, and you want to have fun doing it, you should join us for the Freedom Experience. Go to ValerieSilvera.com. It's the first thing you'll see on my page. And just say yes to freedom. Hey there, friends and fellow warriors. You know, I was going to start out by saying that if you are not the parent of an addict or have another family member that you can relate to on this, then, you know, still listen because you might get something out of it. But I guess you already saw by the title what it was about. So obviously, if you're still listening, this is something that you are interested in. And, you know, and sadly, the fact is that it's hard nowadays to find anyone who's not affected by addiction in some way or knows somebody who is. And so this is really everybody's problem and it's everybody's concern. And I think that it's important for people to start learning different perspectives because obviously at the center of everything is the addiction and the person in addiction getting help and, you know, these drugs we got to stop them coming into our country and there are all sorts of issues but i'm not here to talk about any of those today my perspective is as the mom of someone in addiction and you know you've probably heard me say before i don't really like calling them addicts because i feel like it's just such a label but at the same time of course you know that's what they are they're in addiction and we don't need to pretend that they aren't, but I feel like that label just has such a negative connotation and such a stigma and shame surrounding it. I like to say they're people living with an addiction beast. That's what I prefer. You'll hear me use the word addict, and obviously I titled this podcast using that word, but that is because I have to you know, relate to people. That's the word everybody knows. So I just thought I would throw that in there. But I really wanted to talk about what do parents of those people in addiction look like? And you know what I'm talking about. What do they look like? You know what I'm talking about, no matter what your perspective is on this, because we all do this. Some horrific thing happens. And what is one of the first things we all want to know? Who are the parents of that person? What is their family like? Where did they come from? 
And maybe there's a part of us that's doing that because we want to blame someone, but I don't think that's what it is. I think what we are doing is we're trying to reconcile this horrific situation. We are trying to say, how did this happen to this person? Because if we can figure that out, then we know it can't happen to us. So for instance, that terrible shooting that happened in Idaho, where this, you know, well, he's not convicted. I was about to say convicted, <laughs> whoops, where this accused killer it of these four college students. I mean, it was so horrific and so scary and so unexpected and, you know, it really rattled not just that town and that the college, but the country, if not beyond the country. And who hasn't wondered about his family? The guy who's being accused of this, right? Who has not wondered about the family? I always do. I find myself doing that. And I don't think at this point, at least for me, that I'm doing it to judge, but it, I really do want to understand. And I think that's human nature is we are looking for the answer to why. Like I said earlier, if we can figure out why, oh, then that won't happen to me. You know, inquiring minds want to know. Wasn't that the, the National Enquirer's little slogan? We need to make sense of things. We need to understand. We need to put a period at the end of the sentence and go, okay, I don't like it, but I got it. I get it. And so you've probably heard me say this before. Before I wore the label mom of an addict, can you see my air quotes? <laughs> I was sure it had something to do with those people and their parenting. Well, it had to, right? I mean, if you raise your kids right, this stuff doesn't happen. You know, you teach them about the negative effects of drugs, even though, by the way, I did a fair share of my, you know, good times in high school, mostly pot, but you know, there were some other things in there too, but I didn't have any addiction. I didn't, that never was an issue for me. So I just thought, you know, I would teach my kids and they just wouldn't even head down that road. Why would they? They have such a great life. They're in sports, they're in youth group. They have a great extended family. We do family vacations, all of the things, you know, the things we teach them about God all the stuff that will keep them on the straight and narrow, right? And so obviously there was something wrong with those parents because they didn't do that, right? I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here, aren't I? Because that was before it happened to me, before I wore that label. And then, you know, I had to sit and go, that, so what was natural? I pointed the finger at myself, because remember, I'd already judged all those other people. It must have been their fault. So now it must have been mine. So I piled all the shame and guilt and everything on myself. And so if you are a parent in this situation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you aren't and you're listening to this for whatever reason you are, thank you so much for, for being willing to listen to a message like this. Um, just know that perhaps sometimes it does have to do with parenting. I mean, there, I'm sure there are situations where it didn't help. The parenting didn't help, but not most of the time. Most of the time, it has nothing to do with the parenting. The addiction beast is an equal opportunity life destroyer. He doesn't give a rip about how good of a parent you are. He just doesn't care. He's coming after the kids no matter what. So when you become the mom of a son or daughter in addiction, it's a new reality. I mean, it is not 
a peek behind the curtains. You know that look where you're trying to Google the people that had this terrible thing happen and you're trying to peek behind their family curtain and see what happened? When this happens to you, my friend, when this freight train comes rolling through your front door, it is not a peek behind the curtain. It is a full-on assault of everything you knew and believed about your role as a mom, as a family member, your relationship with your child, everything you held dear, your values, your integrity, everything about your life is turned upside down. It is a full-on assault from the beast. So I can remember that when all this happened with my daughter, you know, the least likely person I thought and I'd finally figured out and she finally admitted it. And there, you know, we had, uh, we had situations with attempting rehab and all that. And so I was calling one time in anticipation of Jamie wanting to go to rehab because, you know, here she is in her twenties. There's nothing I can do to make her go. But I'm thinking, you know, this is the time. So I'm on this phone call with this rehab center and it was a well-known facility and it was, you know, it's, I didn't know anything about all these places, but I, you know, checked into it and I'm on the phone with this respected place. And I asked about the rate for somebody who doesn't have any financial wherewithal. And they said it was $10,000 and this is for 28 days. And in my opinion, that scratches the surface for most people. Jamie didn't have $10. So this gal on the phone, she explained that there's another option would be this other recovery center. Theirs was only $5,000 for people who didn't have any financial wherewithal. How do you like that? You have no money. It's only $5,000. I don't mean to laugh at it, but it seems kind of funny, doesn't it? She was very complimentary, by the way, toward that other treatment center. And she said that a lot of the counselors in their treatment center had gone through this place. But I knew where it was located. She told me where it was and I knew and it was right smack dab in the middle of the belly of the beast of this little town in the Palm Springs area. It was in India. It was was right smack downtown. And... That's, I knew that this was Jamie's hood. This is where she was hanging out. This is where she was getting her drugs. It was right there. And so I, this is what I said to her. I said, I I mean, I voiced my concern. I said, listen, I don't want Jamie around those kind of people. More air quotes here, my friends. I don't want her around those kind of people. Meaning, you know, those people that would go to a treatment center right in the middle of the hood, you know, and the, where there's drugs going on and all around there and all this, which by the way, is kind of crazy. I mean, there are literally drug dealers, you know, on the next block where this is. So that's got to be really hard for everybody. Uh, but anyways, here's what she said to me. She said, your daughter is taking street drugs. She is one of those people. Whoa, whoa, man, you talk about being knocked down a notch or two. She is one of those people. Remember that judgment? Remember how I was holding myself up as better than in some ways, I guess, right? Better than certain people. Your daughter is one of those people right now anyway, right? That was tough. It was painful to hear. 
So by this time, I had figured out that Jamie was addicted to opiates. Well, I didn't figure it out. She admitted it. But I knew that she was addicted to heroin because there's no way that she was able to afford these street drugs, the opiates that, you know, off the streets. I knew that she was into heroin. And so I mentioned some of these symptoms that she had had when I was around her. And she told me that was heroin. And, and I nearly fell off my chair. I mean, really, to use the word heroin and Jamie in the same sentence, it, it was unimaginable. And so, again, if you're listening to this and you aren't the mom with a son or daughter in addiction or the uh, father, maybe you're even a sibling and you still don't understand. Do you, you, do you have any idea? Can you even imagine what it must be like for a parent who loves this person more than any other person on this planet? This is a part of you. This, this person is a part of you. The one that you held in your arms that you had hopes and dreams for, that you, you know, helped them with their, you helped them with skin knees and, and broken hearts and taught them everything. It is literally gut-wrenching. It is your heart being shattered into a million pieces. This person standing before you, talking to you, looking like your daughter. She looks like her. Her voice sounds the same. But who the hell is this person talking to me? It's like the devil's inside of her. And so this is just setting this, this whole discussion up for what moms and dads, parents, families of those living in addiction look like. I'm just setting this up. Because if you're on the outside, it's almost impossible to understand. But you can just try to imagine for a minute how awful it is. And I'm not saying that that means we should just say, oh my God, it's so terrible, it's so terrible, and pretty soon they're so depressed. Because I'm here to offer hope I'm here to give people another way. I'm here to help them understand that they didn't cause this and they can't control it. And it's time for them to move their lives forward and start living in hope and find some courage and be a role model of hope and all of that. That's what I'm really here to do. But in case you're listening to this message because somebody's asked you to, I just want you to have that tender heart for a moment and just imagine how hard it is. Yes, they need to get up. Yes, they need to move forward. Yes, they need to do all these things. They need to stop enabling. They need to stop having codependency in their life. But just imagine how hard it is. As a parent, you want to save. So if that's you, the next thing I want you to do after you listen to this, please hit your knees. And thank God that you don't really understand because it's not something you'd ever want to understand. And, and it's getting better, right? Society, unfortunately, we're making strides in people having a lot more acceptance of those who are living in addiction. That doesn't excuse bad behavior. It doesn't excuse people not trying to get clean. It doesn't excuse people who are committing crimes. It doesn't excuse any of that. But we're starting to have a little more empathy and understanding toward that, unfortunately, because it is affecting so many people. But still, even so, it's like I said earlier, how you look at these families of these things happening, you want to know who are these people, you know, because you want to make sure it's not going to be you. It's not going to happen to you. Oh, I get it. That thing happened in their family. Those parents are like that. Okay, cool. That won't happen to me. That's what's kind of going on inside of us. But still, there is, you know, for parents in addiction, and sometimes other family members too, there is a steady stream of shame and guilt 
piled on us. And then they add stigma, like a cherry on top of our shame and guilt pie, right? Like it's not bad enough to have shame and guilt. Trust me, we pile enough on ourselves. We don't need society's help. We got this. We need society's help to get off the shame and guilt train. So it seems like in one breath, society tells parents of those in addiction, gosh, we feel really sorry for you. But at the same time, in another breath, they wonder, even if they don't say it to us, they wonder, how did your kid end up like this? The stigma is suffocating. Parents are slinking around, just like people in addiction are. They're slinking around to meetings, being anonymous and, you know, hiding out in the shadows like they're bad people. Sometimes people in addiction do bad things. Don't get me wrong. My daughter did bad things. But she wasn't a bad person. And if someone's going to a meeting, if somebody's going to a, a recovery, somebody's working on sobriety, if somebody's working on their life, give them a break, man. The stigma doesn't help. It's suffocating. And, I, and, you know, you can apply this to other things besides addiction, but I'm talking about that today. And here's another interesting perspective. Several people upon meeting me have said something like, wow, I would have never guessed that was your story. Almost like, remember how we're looking at to find that family? They're thinking, really? If I had Googled this situation, Hope I'd have never guessed this you would be that parent. And I look forward to right? you joining me again next week. But let's Their comments, not forget, of course, are meant I want to meet to you also surprise. in person. Wow, you seem to be doing pretty well. In Scottsdale, Arizona, you know, you're kind of together. Just outside I can't of Phoenix, you have this kid like this. On October 6th and 7th. But you know what? You're going I to learn about some of the concepts if they have expected when they heard the story of Jamie for me to have a needle hanging on my arm, right? You deserve this. You deserve it's to be free from whatever stigma that is holding you back need or keeping to kind you down. Of connect the Hope dots to see your and beautiful face. How this happened. Oh, well, of course, Phoenix, there's Valerie Severo with Scottsdale, a needle hanging over her arm. No wonder Jamie ended up like that. October 6th and 7th for the That's Freedom Experience. What we Go to ValerieSilvera.com and get your tickets. But this is Make what I want everyone to consider. Together, I want you to consider this, this if you are Together, we can not only someone who's li- who has a son or daughter in addiction. Move forward as warriors in hope. And if you don't. I want you to think about this. Remember I said that the addiction beast is an equal opportunity life destroyer. He doesn't give a blankety blank who you are, what your parents are like, how you grew up, what your ethnicity is, what your background is, what the kind of jobs your family have, the money that you have or don't, how much integrity you have, what church you go to. The beast doesn't care. The beast, by the way, you know, the main beast, the head dude, he is not from God. He's the fallen angel, okay? He, he's Satan. He's the bad guy in this whole story. And he's got a lot of friends. So that's why we all have beasts. Everybody has one, by the way. My codependent enabler beast had a bunch of other heads. I talk about that one mostly because that's the biggie. Those were the things that nearly took me down. And they had me down on the mat for 13 years. So, I, you know, but everyone has one. So if you are the parent or a sibling or loved one of somebody in addiction and you feel this kind of, you know, shame and we've got this thing, this cloud hanging over us, everybody's got something to deal with. Yeah, yours is big, but don't feel like the Lone Ranger. So what do parents of those living in addiction look like? We look like doctors. Yep, we look like doctors and lawyers 
factory workers, accountants, actors, receptionists, construction workers. We look like single moms and dads. We look like all sorts of different types of families. We are Boy Scout leaders, loving parents, struggling parents, softball coaches, and Sunday school teachers. We're blondes, brunettes, and redheads. We have black hair or no hair. And most of us that do have hair have some gray hair. We come from all socioeconomic groups, ethnic backgrounds, and all cultures. What do parents of addicts look like? We look like you. We look like everybody else. You can't bring the mug book and sit the six pack of pictures down and go, pick out the one, pick out the mom whose kid's in addiction. I bet you can. No, we look like everybody else. There is probably some stigma attached to whatever beast you are dealing with. So just remember when you're judging other people who have different kind of beasts, you haven't walked their road. Just like they haven't walked the road of a mom or a dad or a sister or brother or grandparent, whatever it is, husband, wife, friend of someone in addiction. We all need to come together so we can shed that shame and the guilt and the stigma. This is what I do. This is my mission is to help people. I say people, but it turns out to be mostly women. But I'm on a mission really to link arms with a million women and their families and their loved ones. A million of us. Imagine a million of us standing shoulder to shoulder, living in hope and having courage and not down on the mat, not hiding in the shadows, not feeling as if we have no, no purpose in this world, no self-worth, feeling as if life is over until this addiction thing gets handled. Because what if it doesn't? I mean, I, I'm not here to be doom and gloom, but sometimes it doesn't get handled. And the big bottom line is, is that we don't have any control over it. And so that's why I invite you to join me. Go to warriorsandhope.com and just sign up as a warrior in hope. We'll give you access to our membership site, which has some really cool free resources in there. And you're going to get a community of people and we're going to really just keep building this up. And join us for the Freedom Experience in October in Phoenix. Just set aside every excuse you have. Figure out how you can make it work because I know it will be worth it to you. Imagine being in a room of people who get it and learning from some really cool people. I'm not saying really cool just because I'm going to be there. I've got some other really cool people too. But we're going to have a lot of fun. While we build our courage and we shed shame and guilt and hopelessness and helplessness and we learn to stand together courageously and move forward and experience that hope and happiness and peace of mind and so much more. So I hope you'll go to ValerieSilvera.com and get your ticket to the Freedom Experience. You will not be sorry you did. That I know for sure. Okay, my friend, just remember... If somebody's wondering, what does the mom of an addict look like? What does the dad of someone living with an addiction beast look like? What does a sister or brother, family member or spouse, whatever the relationship is of someone in addiction, what do they look like? We look like you. Hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to you joining me again next week, but let's not forget, 
I want to meet you also in person at the Freedom Experience in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is just outside of Phoenix on October 6th and 7th. You're going to learn about some of the concepts in our podcast episodes and so much more. So join us. You deserve this. You deserve to be free from whatever is holding you back or keeping you down. Hope to see your beautiful face in Phoenix, Scottsdale on October 6th and 7th for the Freedom Experience. Go to ValerieSilvera.com and get your tickets. Make a commitment. Together, we can do this. Together, we can not only stand through everything, we can move forward as warriors in hope.